Jig Knight. Just like that. Here we go, folks. Back at it. Let's go, folks. Jig Knight. Welcome to Jig Squad. If you're new here, I'm Mike Murphy, otherwise known as Cooter or Barracuda. Um, we talk jigs. And uh, and tonight I have a guy on that I'm uh, I've been excited to kind of get into, you know, diversify. I want to move away from just doing bass guys. So like last week we had bucktail guys from the East Coast. Now we're going to be talking to a uh, 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 very unique designer that is going to have a fantastic discussion with us tonight on a, on a lot of different things. I love I love Nick's company profile. I love what he does, and I love everything that he's all about. I'll do a quick little holler out. I said hi to some of you guys in Chatteray, but Emerita, Andrew, Sean, George Val, Michael Bradley, Larry Hadley, Chris Hill, Gators. What's happening, bud? Dorkfish, Dave. Uh, who else we got? If I miss you, Jay was in early tonight. And I'm sure we'll have more coming as we go. Darius, Todd Bennett, Darkman, Chris Hill. What's happening, everybody? So my guest tonight is Jig Geek. And it's as simple as that. It's just Jig Geek. And as we're talking tonight, you guys, I want you to jump on the website for Jig Geek. And so you can look and get an idea of some of the things that Nick has, but he's an awesome designer and I'm excited to talk about a couple things tonight. So I'm just, I'm going to get him in. Nick, what's happening, awesome. buddy? Welcome to Jig How's it Squad. going? Good, buddy. Good. Excited to have you on. So the standard stuff always when we, when we start, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some cool discussion, but so tell, tell people about you a little bit, your kind of history of, you know, you've been fishing probably for a portion of your life, right? As most of us have, but then then you became Jig Geek. And so how did this all come about? How did how did you get into the 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 company game and the jig making game? And how long has that been going on? And what was that experience like for you when you got going here? Tell us about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's get into it. So uh been fishing pretty much my entire life. Uh mm-hmm. dad got me out in the river and the lake when I was really small. So just got hooked on it instantly. <laughs> no pun, no pun intended there. Literally, but uh right. Yeah, just been fishing ever since a little guy, and uh, yeah, come from a mechanical engineering background, um, so well versed in like product design, CNC mills, and machining and whatnot. And uh, it's kind of how I got started on the jig game. I uh, I was out fishing and kept losing a bunch of a bunch of fish on the stuff I was getting from stores, and was like, you know what, I could uh, put a spin on some stuff and and dig into the design of it and create some products for myself and. That turned into creating a couple things and giving some stuff away to buddies or people I saw on the river that wanted to check out what I was using. And it kind of just grew from there. Um, cool. Yeah, it just a domino effect started and more people kept asking. And I was like, you know, this could actually turn into something and uh, stuck a toe in for a little bit and then decided just to jump into the deep end and, uh, mm-hmm. and get fully into it. But it's uh, super, yeah. super cool. So you're from you're like Vancouver area? Yeah, Vancouver area. Okay, so Vancouver, BC, and so a lot of your background in terms of fishing, like you mentioned rivers, so the predominant, most of your fishing has been around what type of species would you say, Nick? Salmon. So uh, steelhead, or not steelhead, but chinook, coho, uh, pink, um, chum, and then steelhead in the winter, which is a trout, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so some big fish, I mean tons of different varieties of fishing up here and tons of different styles but uh, mm-hmm. mainly river and then into some some ocean fishing with uh 
like inshore stuff with jigs, um, not sure. so much trolling, but, uh, but yeah, so mainly, mainly my fishing has been salmon dabble in trout every year, ice off and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some lakes here, you can, you can twitch a jig for some massive trout, but, yeah. uh, primarily, uh, primarily salmon. Yeah. Um, that's great. So one of the things Nick, I always talk about, uh, with everyone is just the, the diversity of, uh, like the jig making experience. Right. And so, um, and, and particularly when it comes to like the different, uh, design types that are out there and, but more so of the, uh, like the species that we target. So whether, like I always mention, like the East coast striper scene, the Florida snook scene, um, the coho river fishermen, uh, the smallmouth fishermen fishing out west. It doesn't matter what it is. Southern largemouth bass guys. I do think that there's a tremendous value in paying attention to other styles of species of fish that designers design for and taking from those elements things and trying new, new stuff. Right. And so I, I'm going to, I have to, one of my first things I got to ask. So like a twitching jig is a pretty commonplace thing uh, for river salmon fishermen. Right. Yeah. And, and so we talked about it a little bit before, but the one in which you, you guys, you got to check them out. So as, as I was talking here, you got to go see on jig on the jig geek site. The link is down below in the um, description. Um, but a lot of real cool twitching juice, but the one I'm dying to talk about because I don't know enough about, and it's not even like a tying thing, but I have to ask it because it's the number one thing in my head and no one ever gives me good answers. Like when I ask, so, yeah. uh, hoochie jigs tell me tell me what it is and and what it looks like and i like i want people to hear this because we've never talked about it on the show yeah so i don't know if you guys can see that but that's that's what it looks like um i'll show you what it looks like i got a couple different sides untied uh no stinger hook um you can see that and then that's it looks like the stinger on it or a loop for the stinger Mm mm-hmm um but yeah so the idea behind it was i mean you'll see salmon fishermen use these in the salt all the time uh hoochie under a flasher drop it down and and that's where they catch them on uh, so fish are feeding on them they're used to seeing hoochies in the in the salt um mm-hmm. so the idea behind it i mean a couple other companies do it but uh was to bring this into the river and allow river fishermen to to use a bait that is natural and known to the fish while they're up river sure um, so yeah you don't you don't see Hoochies in the river, squid in the river, swimming about. But the fish have seen it in the ocean, so they know what it is. They're used to it. And uh, so that's kind of the idea behind it. A couple of cool things with it is a loop. So I don't know, when you toss your uh, toss all your jigs back into the, the box, I mean, over time, your hook, hooks rust out, or you want to change them up, or you want to scale down or scale up your hook based on the species you're fishing. I mean, like sure. the coho versus chinook. So the nice thing is, look, we'd put a loop on the end so that you could switch in whatever hook you want to put in the back and totally dial in that presentation to, to the species and size of fish you're fishing. And then the other interesting thing is I don't know if I'll show you, but the balance point on these. So I'll hold it with another, but it, it balances and lies perfectly flat through the eye. So when you clip that line on, you get in a perfectly balanced jig, which does a couple of cool things. Mm-hmm. So when this jig's under the water, you get, instead of the traditional like up and down movement from a twitching jig, Mm-hmm. Which, which you're trying to elicit by so this one actually spirals up okay which is uh which is super interesting you just get a different a different pattern a different action on the lure that uh 
I mean, when, when you're tossing twitch and jigs all day, sometimes switching that action up just elicits a bite. Um, yeah. But yeah, we've used these from everything from like lingcod, um, rockfish to, to salmon, chinook, chum, uh, steelhead. And uh, the cool thing about them is if, if you're not, if you're not too into twitch and you can also cast and retrieve them and they got a pretty pretty killer movement on them um we got guys dropping them down behind uh got one of our pro staff actually trolls them behind a a little rowboat out in the really ocean, and he absolutely just slams kings on them um but yeah and that's kind of what it is it's just a uh a different take on a on a hoochie um that's weighted um yeah trailer hook and and yeah it's so interesting to me because basically, I mean, it's a squid body, right? And yeah. so with varying sizes. And the thing is, like in the saltwater world, like if I was down in the Caribbean or wherever the heck I was at or South America or, or anything where along Central America and you're trolling smaller size squids and stuff like that, it's the same. It's the same concept. And so what the reality is, it's so interesting to hear, at least for me, it's so interesting to hear that this is a different application that can be used for this. And I do know that the salmon world has embraced this concept. And so I guess the point I'm making is that even past the salmon world, there's absolutely no reason why people can't be, yeah, Hellabass, Hoochie, I thought this was PG. It is, buddy, <laughs> but this is Jig Squad. We Nick, Nick's telling us all kinds of new interesting things. Uh, but but I think um, I think using uh, a jig that style is just it's it's an interesting thing and the ability to switch out the hooks because of of that back end instead of a, a shank on on the back end of the jig you you've got like a, a looped metal piece and you're putting on a metal leader or whatever you're using for yeah, your yeah. your like how strong are those looped leaders that you put on there like what what are we talking for like pound test or are you using yeah um, so it's a it's a multi strand braided wire. Um, which okay. does a couple things. It uh, allows it to move with the has good movement, so it moves with the legs. So it uh, it doesn't stick out to the side when you pull it one way. And if the hoosh, fish bites the hoochie, it's not floating up and, okay. and missing the strike. Um, but the smaller sizes are about fifty pounds. Okay. And, and the larger sizes doubled over would be about one hundred and twenty pounds. So Nick, let me ask you a question. So I'm going down to Costa Rica this summer with the family. Yep. I yeah. mean, and if, and if I, I, so if I have AFW wire and making things like that, am, am I in the ball game of being able to switch out hooks and stuff like that for something similar to that? If I'm using those plastic squids and stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the, that, not, that's the game like AF, AFW wire or whatever pound, you know, you yeah, say not, not, not too familiar with AWF wire, but like, yeah, I mean, a drag on a reel is what uh, most river rods bottom out at 18 pounds right so if you're right. putting more pressure than that through that wire i mean like you're gonna take out line before you break that wire i mean even the saltwater world will tell you that when they talk about 22 pounds of drag it's like you should never need 22 pounds of dragon maybe for bigger fish and but that's you know i don't know i mean for you guys you guys get to seem to get on bigger salmon and stuff than i ever have i mean i've, I've caught browns up to 20 pounds and then kings up to you know chinook up to 28 but um, I haven't gotten much bigger than that. And I know they, they all come bigger than that, you know? So it's, um, totally. it's fun fishing. And so most of my experience with salmon and steelhead are, are lake, lake run and, um, and all on the Southern basin of Lake Michigan, you know? So like right. our, our approach is a little different. 
Um, but it's just interesting to hear about that. And I just, I wanted people to hear about like what a hoochie jig is and like how you can use that. And I do think, um, I think, uh, here, here's what I'm going to say. I think that there are extremely small versions of a hoochie jig that would be tremendously effective on Great Lakes smallmouth. And I'll leave it up to the mind of yeah. other people to figure out <laughs> just because it's something different. And, and I think uh, it's a cool cool style so you guys again link is down below and the reason i keep i'm going to keep saying that tonight is because one i want you to see nick stuff because he's got so many crazy um color he's got one color that i saw that's uh what is it slobosaurus slobosaurus rex yeah i i I love the. he's got some really cool jigs and i want to make sure that you see him okay so that's a hoochie jig the other style of jigs i want to know what would be the difference between what you classify right as a float jig compared to a twitching jig? What are the two? How would you describe the difference between those two jigs? I, I yeah. think I could describe it, but I want I want somebody that knows this better than me to tell the people and watching the show. Totally. And I think like one of the main like differences between the two is just how you fish them. Um, a lot of guys will add tails to a float jig and, and float it just fine. Um but for us, it's weight. So our float jigs are, are a quarter ounce and an eighth ounce, and the twitching jigs are a little bit bigger, um, three eighths, half. But uh, yeah, so like from from here, the biggest difference is is just the profile and the tail. Okay. So, can... so you're basically on the float. You're not you're not putting zonker strips on the back end of the float. Right? Typically not. Right. Um, and like sometimes, I mean, patterns for myself or whatnot, I will change it up but i find this to be more effective and mimics more of like an egg sack or or another another presentation that the fish are eating um but yeah so the main difference would be just the size profile on that tail as well as as well as the legs i find you don't need as much movement whereas twitching jigs you're trying to elicit a bite you're trying to aggravate the fish and get them mad and get them to snap at it you're not necessarily mimicking a mimicking a bait that they naturally see um but yeah, that's the big. That's the main difference. Would be like the size and then just the overall profile of them. Um, yeah. Um, Cud- Cuddy obviously has some experience with your jigs because he's like, these are the best jigs on the market. <laughs> just, so you you either know Cuddy or he's a customer of yours already. Yeah, um, he's a customer. Know him. Know him pretty good. Yeah. That's good, man. So okay, so v- very interesting. So, um, and so let me ask you a question. So. Yeah. Most of your float jigs, I mean, obviously there's all different types of materials you're tying with, but a lot of your float jigs are marabou, right? And, Actually, and a lot of twi- rabbit, you're using rabbit. Okay. Yeah, we got some, uh, and, like, there's a couple of reasons. I guess the biggest reason would be durability um, okay. for us. A marabou jigs, I would say, depending on the type of rabbit you have, have the same, marabou would say the same movement or better, but... Mm-hmm. Depending on those fish, <laughs> if you're fishing chum with a marabou jig, it's lasting maybe two fish. Mm-hmm. If you're fishing chum with a rabbit jig, it's going to last a lot more. Uh, and that's, yep. I'll be honest with you, Nick. I think rabbit has better movement than marabou. My own opinion. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a victim of probably reality that I don't, there's not as I don't get as much length out of the rabbit, obviously, but it just depends on how you're using it. Right. I think oh. a lot of guys like the marabou because of the length. Right. That you're gonna yeah. get and, and movement's undeniably good on marabou, but guys, rabbit is supreme, right? It's just it's amazing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, like 
move like yeah the biggest thing would be i guess for us is tieability and then and then the movement on it um or the <laughs> the durability on it it's yeah. just uh yeah and then all most of our float jigs have like a, a crystal flash or some type of chenille underneath the rabbit just to help it pop and also help that rabbit stand up a little bit more mm -hmm. um so when you get water across it it doesn't suck down towards the body it stays okay. a bit more a bit bigger profile um but yeah very cool um so i mean the diversity of colors that are out there um are super cool and you guys listen another thing for anyone watching on replay or if you are um you know live the other thing is that you could find jig geek on instagram as well um a lot of cool stuff um and a lot of you guys understand something i, I a lot of people just like using the jigs by jig geek and we're going to get into that a little bit too um but let's see what else okay so we got float twitching and yep. then matt matt uh i saw one of the guys in chat south jersey fisherman let me go back to this here matt said i'm really interested in that pivot twitching jig that thing looks crazy you want to yeah, talk I, about that a little bit yeah i'll talk let me see if i got one in front of in front of me because i'm not sure if i grabbed one yeah so you guys matt picked up on this right and and matt saw this and you could see this like if you if you look on the Jig Geek site, you'll get a feel for um, what some of these things are. But keep in mind, you guys, everything everything we're talking about tonight, even if this is something you haven't used for, I want you to start thinking about this in terms of, is this something I could use and how would I use it and why would I use it? So just because you know a lot of these style jigs originate in our river run type fishing methods in the, in the coho salmon world, right? It does not mean I'm going to tell you something. It there there are there are there is a world of Great Lakes fishermen or large-bodied water fishermen, northern fishermen that will use twitching jigs that won't tell you about it, and they don't use it in the same colors as a lot of the coho and salmon guy guys. But what they will do is use them in the greens and olives and tans and blacks, even pinks, and you should be paying attention to it because the rabbit strips and on the back end or zonker strips there's movement like nothing else so so i'm i i just tell the truth you know but anyway nick yeah, you want to talk about that a little bit yeah i'll talk about it. i don't have one in front of me and that's okay I, apologies apologies no, you, explain the concept so what yeah what, so the concept behind it would be like that's your typical blank fixed hook so it uses a shank similar to our hoochie shank in it where it has that fixed loop and then it's from the fly fishing world, an articulated streamer or an yes. articulated uh, a fly. So then it ha would have a body section loop to that and then the hook on the end. And the idea behind it is you just got multiple pivots or points of action that the jig can articulate about. Um, so you'll get a bit more of a tail whip or in that current, that, that jig would, it wouldn't just be the rabbit tail moving. It'd be the entire body of the jig because you have those pivot points. Um, so yeah, that was the idea behind those again, just offering fishermen, fisherwoman, a, uh, a different art, different option in their arsenal. I mean, like yeah. everybody knows when you fish an entire day and something can go stale and you need to mix it up. And sometimes that extra movement just elicits a different strike or another bite. But, uh, yeah, that was, that's the idea behind them is just adding more points of articulation to a jig. If you, um, if you go and to jig geek site you'll be able to see just look for that articulated twitching jigs i think it's I, you uh, have pivot called pivot. Pivot. pivot jig yeah yeah um and and that's the same that you, what nick's saying you guys is there's 
there's like there's world famous flies out there you know like blaine chocolates game changer and stuff like that that use probably i don't know four or five segments of a articulated shanks that creates multiple pivot points on a jig and it's just an extraordinary different look and so you may not be um making jigs yourself but and even if you're not if you see things like that out there you just have to realize that this is another movement type of jig that you might not typically have access to and it, you know it's, you're just educating yourself you know you know what's out there you know what's available to buy if you're a jig maker you can make them but if you're not there's a lot of people that, that watch this show that aren't they just like hearing about these things and you become better informed right um all right so one i I can't wait forever because one of the things that I'm excited <laughs> to talk about more than anything, you guys, you guys are always excited. Uh, everyone who watches Jig Squad, and if you're new, hopefully you you like this discussion as we get into this. But, you know, you use this Jig Squad as a resource. And, you know, if you have questions, ask them in chat because everyone's at different levels of where we're at, right, in jig making or just jig use. And we need to learn from each other. That's the whole point of Jig Squad, right? But the thing is, even for the custom jig makers, Nick is an absolute jig geek in reality. And the thing is, he I want him to talk about his coming to uh, design his own jigs. And it's not, I'm not talking the, a twitching jig or a hoochie jig. I'm talking like Nick has made his custom jigs from the design element up. And so, Nick, start talk about that and how that even came to be. You originally said... Hey, I was tired of not having the things that I wanted out there. Right? Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. In terms of that, I guess the biggest thing for me that I saw on the market or problem with what was on the market or I had with was hooks and hook strength, especially for some of the smaller hooks that we fish. Cause we'll fish a, a 16th ounce or a, an eighth ounce jig for, yep. I mean, you could have the chance of catching a 20 pound steelhead or <laughs> I mean, right. some, some rivers, a 30 pound King. And, and those hooks in the market would just snap. Um, right. You'd lose, you lose a fish of your dreams and that'd be the end of it. You'd go home and be like, damn, I wish I had a, a, a better jig hook. Um, so that's kind of what got started on it. And this dove very deep into that whole design. And it, it took quite a while to figure out um, if I was going to go with a standard manufactured of a hook, whether that's Gammy or Mustad or Eagle Claw or VMC or whatnot. And there just wasn't anything that I that really stood out to me. Um, so I started the process of design my own hook from the wire thickness to the shape of the point, to the cone point, to the sickle design. Um, yeah. And then got pretty deep into the engineering behind it. And there's a the set of equations for the point of a hook and the thickness of the wire that determines how much penetration you can get and really geeked out on, uh, on that. So like the finished product was a hook that would have, super super good penetration but also be strong enough to pull in those big fish and not snap or bend out um it's yeah. so it's so interesting right guys so there's a couple things i want you to think about as we kind of continue on in this conversation and obviously if you have thoughts yourself or things in chat you know throw them in there but you got to understand a couple of things are and i'm I, I, most of the time i say this when i'm talking to the bass world but this is everyone the thicker your hook, the more force it requires for you to penetrate the mouth of that fish. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm telling you, if you are a light line fisherman and you 
want the, this crazy oversized hook. I, you guys, I, I'm going to tell one little comment about this. I know somebody in the industry, and I, I will never – I'm not a name dropper. I don't do it. I know somebody in the industry that goes out there and touts that they have 4X hooks. And they have Forex hooks that they talk about fishing on light line and all this other stuff. And I said, you are absolutely out of your mind. The thing is, everyone thinks that these crazy heavy uh, hooks are going to change their experience of what they do. And they're not going to break off. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be able to fix fish a 1X or even a 2X hook, generally speaking, and land most fish. And um, and I'm that's not exclusive. But I'm just making the point that listen to what Nick tells us coming up here because the length of the barb matters, right, in terms of how easy that hook penetrates the mouth and all these things. So when you started that process, Nick, how what, what was that like? Like how did you even know what you were looking for in terms of what you wanted? Um, I guess experience um, from just using a variety of products that are already offered in the industry. Um, sure. I personally had had liked sickle hooks in the past. I felt okay. like my my retention and catch rate was a bit higher with those, so I knew I wanted a sickle profile. Um, mm -hmm. And then, in terms of the cone point and and designing that and the thickness of the jig, it was trying to push that upper limit of how thick we could go without, yeah, taking away from that penetration power. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So, I'll get a little geeky here, but if you double the thickness of a hook it takes double the amount of force to put that hook through the through the fish's mouth double which is which is crazy um and it's not it, roughly i mean there's a little bit more math than that but sure. uh and it just goes exponentially up from there so like i don't know if you can imagine it's taking you eight pounds to set the set the hook through a fish's mouth and you double that thickness of the hook then you're pulling at 16 pounds to set that hook through the mouth and it's uh it's not a perfect science. I mean, those are um, extrapolations from the equation, uh, not physical testing. But right. I mean, it's but interesting. They're, easy, look at those they're easy conceptualizations of what that totally. extrapolation is from the formula. Totally. And uh, so, yeah, we wanted to get as close to that upper bound of like losing penetration with thickness and just a durable hook. I mean, you never know when you're going to hook a big fish in the rivers up here and that's the worst feeling i'm sure everybody's experienced losing a fish that you're just like oh man so uh yeah we just wanted something as durable as we could get but keeping that 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 penetration power it's such an interesting concept right and um it's such a great idea because like i think um there's a couple different reasons that i see people in the industry go and make their own hooks well, there's three. I'll, I'll generically say three, right? I'm sure there's a lot of more intricacies of different things. But one, one is they don't know what they don't even know why, and they don't know what they're talking about. So that that happens. Two, they are trying to uh, change. They're they're trying to get a hook that's going to fit a certain mold style that they're creating or developing. Okay, and then three is is this type of process which you won't as nick just described that you won't hear a lot of people talk about often it's not typically about how you you find this balance because i'm going to tell you i've listened to lots of shows and and lots of people talk about why they design hooks and or they had custom hooks made and never do they go into this type of description but 
for what it's worth, he's not Nick's not selling the farm here, right? He's just saying, well, this is why we wanted to design a custom hook, but you don't hear a lot of people talk about that. So um, it's just interesting to think that that's the, some of the methodologies behind it. But I guarantee on the back end, folks, if you go and ask people that have custom hooks made, they'll go and, and if you ask them these questions, like Nick just talked about, they say, oh yeah, those are all the reasons. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't think that people conceptualize things uh, that cerebrally that they're going to want to talk about that that much. It's for the other reasons. They want to be different. They, they want it to fit a custom style. And a lot of times, frankly, it's to maximize strength. And you'll get it a lot with guys that are trying to make flipping jigs and things like that that are really big fish. Uh, or not, It's not even big fish. It's uh, they want to pull fish out of cover fast, right? And so that's totally. a lot of the reasoning. And, and I just think this is interesting because keep in mind, this is a company that not inherently by itself, these this is what the jigs are designed for, Jig Geek. But, I mean, this is born out of the salmon and steelhead fishing scene which is predominantly a river-based experience in many ways right so that's real interesting so just so you 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 know what you want you want to go for it so guys just so everyone knows in chat if anyone asks you know wh who the hook manufacturer is of nick's custom hooks it's, he, he, we're not he's not going to be said right um yeah but the whole but the, we we and i knew that already because nick and i talked about this in advance right but Anything else along the way with what this process was like and like going to it. So, so basically, you know what you want and you decide you're going to go to uh, a manufacturer and say, hey, I, I want to make this. What was that experience like? Uh, a lot of back and forth and a lot of relying on their expertise um, for just different, different processes and steps along the way. And a, lo a lot of back and forth and iteration. Can we change this? Is this possible? Um, can the machines achieve this? And yeah, it was just a, a bit of a dance going back and forth and trying to figure out uh, the capabilities that that hook machines are able to produce and then figuring out how we could end up with that final design that would one, be manufacturable, uh, two, be cost effective and, and then be as close to the design I had in my mind as possible. And I'm not gonna lie, I relied on their expertise a lot and, Coming from a mechanical engineering background, I knew some of the stuff, whether it was like heat strength and tempering and making sure that process was done correctly, but had never designed or played with a wire bending machine before or mm -hmm. that whole process of how they're formed. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of back and forth and, and trying to tweak stuff. And I mean, yeah, they've produced a ton of hooks. So it's just like, hey, this is the idea. Um, what can you take from it? And can we switch something you have a little bit? and morph it into this and it's a lot easier to go from a starting point than go from nothing at all so mm -hmm. yeah that was the uh the process and it took it took a long time would you say would you say a year a year I'd and a half about, two years i'd say about a year and i mean for various reasons and testing it and going back and not and yeah we didn't have the hook when we launched jig geek we didn't have the hook we have now um, actually my very first customer who, uh, became one of my really good friends, um, returned every single jig he bought and said, I can't fish these. I don't like the hook. And I won't mention whose hook we, we were using at that time, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, that was the first sale I got and everything came back. And that's my, that's when this process started. I got on the drawing board and was like, Kate, 
we got to find something that isn't isn't the norm in the industry already and and try to yeah try to cut out a little niche for us that we can differentiate ourselves from what's currently on the market yeah i think um that that's a real good point nick because a lot of times i um you know and i'm not knocking anyone for this like i i always like so nick one of the things i do like i tell people all the time if you need stuff or you have an idea or you need you have a question you know message me and i try and reply to everyone you know i just i'm at a point in this jig squad experience where i'm able to still do that right i have some of the time to do it and i do i want to i want to see people have a good experience and make jigs to whatever extent they did they, they want to a lot of people won't go to the next level and i know that um but the thing is there's sometimes people will ask and they want to get custom stuff made and i get the desire for it but the one thing i'll say for one listening is make sure that when you if you ever think about or tell yourself man i would like to make a custom jig or whatever it is and make sure you have a reason why so it's always to distinguish yourself from others that's unquestionable and i'll never argue with that point right and i know that that has to happen but you also want it to serve a purpose right you have to know why you're wanting to do it it's not just to look different and and in theory and you want it to serve a purpose and if you and if you don't need it to do something different than you already know is out there or a mold that's already out there that you can modify yourself then don't don't take the time to go and do that you know um you, you can't you don't have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you're if you're not solving a problem right or you're not sure. intending to solve a problem so and hey, do what you want, right? I I could care less. And Nick, so you know, I don't sell jigs, right? I'm yep, not. I yep. I've been I've been making jigs for 30 years. I don't sell my jigs. Um, I am this year starting to do a little um, licensing work with with a couple of companies where I design some unique colors in a jig line they already have, and then and then just becomes a marketing opportunity for me too. And I like the company and. But besides that, I'm not, I don't sell my own jigs, you know? And so I don't mind saying all these things to people, you know, sometimes people <laughs> ask like Murph, why do you tell people all these things? I go, cause we're, cause I'm jig squad. I'm the guy that started all this, you know? So, um, it's such an interesting concept to me and I'm really, you know, I appreciate you telling that story of like why you decided to do it because there was intent and purpose behind it. And so one of the things you guys, listen, if you go on the jig geek site, one of the things that I started, and I'll be honest with you, this is how I found out about Jig Geek. One of the things I started seeing on social media over time, I didn't know who Jig Geek was. And, and one of the things I started seeing is uh, I saw people tagging Jig Geek. And I'm like, why are they tagging Jig Geek? So you start looking and you start figuring things out. And I realized that his hooks are beloved by many, many a jig maker and a jig tire people love his hooks and then you can't, you can't get this jig hook anywhere else. Right. And so there's a lot of people that will tie jigs, uh, using the jig geek blanks. Right. So it's just random jigs. Like, so let me go look. I want to see. So like, what do they call it on the site? They're called blank jigs. Right. Yeah. And so all different types of colors. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. And so you, are you, are you doing, let me ask you a question, Nick. Cause I always like asking about this. Are you doing, um, are you doing all your own painting or are you having that out of house? 
Uh, we do it in house. In house, okay. Um, yeah, that. Tell me, we, re, tell me about that. Re, what's your what's your jig what's your jig painting experience been like? You know, it's uh, yeah. Without getting too much into it, it's it's interesting. We've tried a lot of stuff. Um, okay. And a lot of different types of paints, and uh, for us it was durability. So trying to find a paint and that formula of paint that could be durable. Um, mm -hmm. So like the the stuff in the market that you can get mm -hmm. traditionally is good stuff. I mean, if you do it properly and you fully cross link the polymers, it's it's hard. It's hard as rock. But uh, I mean, there's limitations to the durability and the colors that is off from the market. So we, I mean, we we looked at other industries that have different colors and stuff. Sure. and tried to see like the railing industry um automotive industry um there's different industries that dif use different stuff and and we try yeah. to morph so like try to morph all our or morph our painting design or how we paint and get inspiration from those different industries to do it so it's done in-house um <laughs> i hate painting <laughs> you you hate what i hate painting? the painting process the yeah. painting process <laughs> Sure. that's um, why i wanted to ask about it because i mean there's other people that say that they're like they hate the painting process and the thing is for you i guess it's because you're a company right so like yep. there's a volume to things that makes you want to hate plenty of things right and that yeah. i think that's what it becomes right yeah it becomes it's it's a volume thing for sure and uh it's also just keeping track of the colors or changing stuff over um couple colors use different methods so it's switching setups it's uh yeah it's just the uh, the most time consuming part of the production process um yeah. interesting and it's the and to me it's like the i mean everybody everybody can pour lead on a on a jig hook and not everybody can make a durable paint um or a paint that lasts because i don't know when you're fishing a jig I mean, at the end of the day does it matter if there's a chip on the jig probably not but from the fisherman's perspective, I mean, yeah, you feel a little bit more confident when you got all the paint left on your jig and you're like, yeah, the fish are going to like the color right. of this one. So, right. I mean, yeah, I tried to try to figure out a way and processes to to get that as hard as possible. And I mean, you there's just some colors that you just can't. There's too many chemicals in them. Um, and you try to you try to get them as hard as you can. And just because the color needs to be a certain way, you can't get them as hard as, say, like a black or a white. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the paint game. I mean, the other thing is like making sure that you don't have filled eyes. I mean, I, I oh hate going God. to pack of jigs off the shelf at the store and having to take another jig hook and you just dulled the shit out of the tip because you had to punch the eye out. Nick, I mean, I we want yeah, I kid you not, dude. Listen, so I, about four times in the past week. And like I said, I'm not a name dropper. I just, I don't like doing that. Right. It's just not my game, but I decided that sometimes I got to talk a little smack, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to name people. Like I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not that. That's not how I do things. Right. So I, about four times, three, four times in the past week, I almost posted on my story on Instagram. And I wanted to say, if you were selling a $7 jig, and you are selling it with painted over eyes, you should stop selling. And I, you guys, I'm sorry. If you're watching this on replay and that's your jam and that's how you do things, I, I'll just say it. I mean, you should not be selling jigs. You can't, 
I don't expect there's all different types of jig makers out there and all different types of things. But when you're selling, man, you got to class it up a little bit. You can't be selling a jig with a painted over eye. Are you kidding me? And this is a custom jig maker, right? This was not, this isn't like um, a big company that manufactures like uh, Target or Walmart little uh, ball head jigs. This was like uh, somebody billing themselves as like a high end custom jig maker. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what, man, class it up, you know, yeah. and I, I'm just saying, you know, and the thing is, if you don't want to do that, if you make them for yourself and you want to do it, but you know what, Nick, here's one more thing this past week. So I, I work at a high school, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Tuesday, just Tuesday, I brought my pot in um, and I brought all my stuff in and we were making um, Arky style flipping jigs for the kids on the bass team. Right. That the, the coaches asked me, they're like, Murph, can you will you do this with the kids this is the second time we did it this winter. And I bring them in. I bring all my stuff. I bring all my pain. You know, not all my pain. I keep it simple. I make little cups for them, little uh, their own little cups for in, in a couple different colors, black. And they're all bass kids. Right. Black, white, chartreuse and green pumpkin. And they all have their stuff. But I taught them all. The first thing I taught them is how to make sure that you have clean eyes. And every jig that left that room <laughs> on Tuesday, every jig didn't have a lick of paint in the eyes. Because And these kids never made a jig in their lives. But I'm like, there is not a chance that I'm sending these kids out with skirted jigs with paint in the eyes. I Because, you you know, you take a new jig maker and they dunk it in and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this, how's this going to go? But I taught them how to make sure the paint was aerated. I did all the stuff with them. I had them putting heat shrink on the eyes. I mean, just because it's small batch stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and all these kids walked out of there with no paint in their eyes. I'm like, that's that $7 jig maker. I should send them a <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, like you got to class it up, dude. You know, it's like you're running a business. Like, you know, especially if you're a company, you got to class it up. You know, no paint in your eyes. Can't do totally. that. Yeah, I mean, if you're poking paint out, I mean, powder paint specifically, if you're cracking powder paint, you're breaking the polymer chain and it's going to propagate. <laughs> that so. is a great comment because once you crack it, it's, it's that, that you, whatever paint you pop out is extending right down to that jig. I, I'm going to say a ball head, right? Yep. And guess what? It's, you've started the process. It's That thing's going to chip the first time it hits anything. You know, so keep that in mind. If you're a jig maker and you can make a jig without painting the eyes, popping it out later is not going to help. It's going to create, it's going to chip faster, you know? All right, Nick, here's a good question. So on Murph the Tackle, Evan Luda, he says, do you think a sickle hook works with a weedless jig or do you think you need a full gap? What's your thoughts? I'm assuming that's for bass fishing, which I have. It's, it is a bad. I have a comment zero, on this, but I want to see what you say. Zero experience in that. Um, I know what a bass is. I like big mouth, big gap. Um, maybe. Um, I've never fished it, and I don't know. Like, I don't even. I'm not even. I don't even know this. I know like, some of the styles, but like, yeah. I mean, what's the what's the point of a wide gap hook for bass fishing? So you get more more mouth coverage more more bite distance um so would a sickle hook work yeah possibly if it's a if it's a hook and where it, like the sickle hook in terms of the shape of it and the reason i like them is because where the, the the fish sits in the in the point i feel like it has a harder time coming off the hook so yes. you can get a sickle hook in a wider 
in a wider gap. Um, they're made, there's manufacturers out there. Um, so would it retain the bass a little bit more? Um, potentially, is it going to affect your hookup ratio because you don't have a, a wide gap? Maybe. I don't, I, honestly, I can't really speak to that because I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I, here's my, Evan, my, here's my answer, bud. And you know, I, you're, you probably could guess what my answer is going to be on this. So first of all, there are some people that will make bass jigs with a sickle or an O'Shaughnessy bend. And the whole function, I truly believe that if you looked at the hook gap on that sickle styled hook, and actually the one, the one, the jiggy one is pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's not scaled down, but a lot of sickle sale. I don't think that they're too far off from some other average, average typical sized um, hook gaps. The, the only difference between a sickle cell, and I'm going to say O'Shaughnessy too, but I do think a sickle cell is better than an O'Shaughnessy. A sickle cell does what an O'Shaughnessy wants to do. That's what I'm going to say. And what I mean by that is the only function of that, just because you have a weed guard, it's not going to change it any more than you would if you had a round bend. But the sickle cell is going to change pinning that fish once you hook them. Once it gets down in that, that, um, once it gets down in that gap, right, it's it's caught. There's less there's less of a movement point, right? And the O'Shaughnessy hook tries to do that same concept by rounding off one side of the round bend, okay? But what the sickle cell does is takes an angle at it and says, "Forget your forget your rounding or narrowing it off a little bit. I'm just going to go right over and and create that." that V almost. And that's why that fish is going to get hooked. There's guys, to be honest with you, Evan, or anyone else out there. I know guys, there's a lot of people in the salmon world and coho world that, that that's all they'll use. And I also know there's a couple of guys in the bass world that are converting over almost exclusively to all sickle cell. I'm going to be honest with you. I say this and I've said it hundreds of times on the show. I still haven't converted over yet. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I I should, yeah. um, but the I I I will say with fidelity, I one hundred percent believe in the concept behind behind the sickle cell or O'Shaughnessy style hook is being superior to a round bend hook. I do, um, and I can't tell you why I haven't converted over yet. I'm kind of an old school guy, I like mono once in a while too. You know, like I I just I don't switch over. I just I have my things I like and. That's what it is. Um, but I do believe in the science behind, you know, you get a fish in this small, thin membrane on a fish or the lip, and you're going to hook that fish. Well, guess what? The more I have the swing around, guess it, the, the more likely you're going to expand the gap and that you're going to lose that fish. If it's a narrower V point where that comes in on that sickle cell, you're going to lock them up better. You're not going to open the hook gap as much or excuse me, the, the mouth gap as much as to where the penetration was. I just, I can't see a fault of it at all. So I don't know anything to add to that on the sickle. You kind of said it yourself. Yeah. I mean, like the only other thing to add is be like the bending out of a sickle. I mean, if you look at like torque arms, it's harder to straighten the sickle hook than it would be around a round bend hook just because where the forces go through when you put pressure, I'm not going to do it because I'll put through my finger up through that point. Um, and that's just that's just math. Um, Explain so that have, physics, man. Yeah, <laughs> so you have a 
Yeah, because give it a torque the give torque is going to change because there's two separate points torque, on that. Yeah, bend. the torque is the torque arm is going to be a lot closer to the point. Um, I got you. Compared to where the fish is, where the 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 V bend is, where if the round one, that torque arm is going to be farther away, so you get more force or more leverage that little distance to that arc of the circle than you would to this, just because that's a closer closer distance. I mean, torque it's force times distance. So that wider distance yeah. increases the torque on a round bend hook and makes it easier to, to straighten that loop out. Now it, it could be negligible, but I don't know, I, I like to geek <laughs> geek about hooks and stuff. So uh, that went through my head when I was going back and forth and choosing stuff. Um, Do you see what he but, said here, Nick? He he. Well, he Evan made a comment. He goes, I I. So Evan has a small jig company, and he says he goes, I actually make a hook with a sickle styled hook or a jig. And he, he basically, he wanted to hear your opinion. And then he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. You know, um, interesting. So Jay asked, um, Jay is a jig maker, lots of fantastic walleye jigs, you guys. So if you're not following Jay is outdoorsy on Instagram, you should be. Um, Jay says, is, is it the angle difference affects the leverage of the fish has to throw the hook? So, but yes. So it, it, does the angle difference change the effects of leverage uh, and the fish's ability to throw the hook? Yeah, I would say it does. Um, I, I mean, think so. Angle, yeah, I guess so. The angle, if you take if you take this and if you put this next to a round bend hook, um, like that, that bottom part of that hook is going to match up pretty well with the round bend. The part that's going to change is this. So are they going to have the same leverage point from where they so, would be pinned? Show that again, Nick. Point to those parts again as you describe that. Yeah, so that was a really if, good point. If you match a round bend hook, it's pretty. It's gonna be pretty similar to line up around here. The part that's gonna change is this end part. Um, so would the leverage be the same potentially? But like, if you got fish pinned here and your leverage point to the line, or for them to twist that, it's gonna be pretty much the same with the round bend because they're sitting in roughly the same area but with the round bend hook that fish is going to have the ability to slide up here more or slide down here more and change that leverage or widen the gap of the hook penetration hole and spit the hook um so yeah tim tim says you know, sean is tim said the shaughnessy is like the sickle hook light <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's trying to make a commitment to narrowing that angle down but then it doesn't just it just kind of rounds it off a little bit you know um it's such an interesting discussion, you know, and what's funny is Nick, I couldn't for the life of me, bud. I don't think I could say, I don't know why I haven't switched over. I just, um, I don't know why I, mean, I honestly think it's yeah. a comfort thing for what I've been used to, but like, I may, maybe what I'm going to do, I think, I think I'm going to say right here and now, and I'll prove it. Cause I'll post some stuff on Instagram. I think that I am going to make some things with a sickle styled hook. Uh, before the end of the winter that I'm going to use for this spring and summer. There you go. There, there you there's go. only one there way to is. switch is when you get in there and go, you know? Yeah. Should and I like... make a new design shirt with a, a sickle <laughs> on there? I'm probably going to have to do something different, maybe just for the sickle guys out there. <laughs> yeah, and you'll get you'll get some guys that love the round bends, and they don't want to switch over, and they like it, and it works for them, and it's confidence in your presentation. If they're, if they're happy with it and, and – like don't fix what's not broken. If you have confidence in your presentation, I think that's more important than figuring out what hook you like. Um, yeah. 
if um now let me ask you this nick if people um all right so you're in canada i all know and we know how the shipping game goes do you what is the process like are, are you shipping to the states are you not shipping yep. to the states yeah you we, are shipping we to ship the yep ship to the states uh all over we've had east coast west coast um yeah okay where it's pretty it's pretty good it's long <laughs> i wish i could ship stuff faster to the states but the time in transit is ridiculous yeah. um but uh but yeah we ship ship all over um super cool what tell me about some of the things that you make that you want to make sure you get to highlight tonight and talk about because i know you got some stuff in front of you um what type of stuff do you want to highlight that i didn't ask about or um things like that because i know there's a lot i know you got a lot of cool yeah stuff. i mean i think <laughs> just another thing for anybody that we could we could talk about colors and water conditions fish species daylight and i mean but if you look on the site, we got 21, 30 different, I don't know, somewhere in there, different colors. And I, and we get asked a lot, like, how do you know what to throw? Like, what yeah, let's talk about what? that. Let's talk about that. Let's, uh, all right, we're going to say semi-stained water. Um, current is slightly above average. River. What, what are you, a slightly, slightly stained water, average current average current well i mean like for me weight choosing the weight would be current and depth but um in terms of yep. color it doesn't play much but time so what time of day morning or night or midday let's go um let's go morning morning i'd probably go a bit darker um typically in low light conditions such as like morning or night it's like darker colors black purples dark blues um usually a bit of flash in there to help to help attract something but you don't have much light going through the water so usually a glow head um something you can charge up um the jig has some uv properties maybe but uh, but yeah early morning bit colored water i usually typically throw something dark and then as the day goes on and progresses maybe you got high sun uh, water clears up a bit i'll switch to more of the lighter colors um so like whites yellows chartreuses pinks something a bit a bit more vibrant um but yeah usually like dusk to evening or dawn to dusk like those two ends of the day i'm going a bit darker um at least for salmon and then mm -hmm. uh, midday when the sun's high or, or the water's <coughs> clear um uh, yeah the brighter stuff and then like you'll have days where the water is crystal clear and i'll go to more natural patterns like the slab source wrecks like our olive pattern um whether that's like more olives uh more like green and black stuff that is just a bit more natural and then it changes for species for us so like and river river systems huge so like mm -hmm. i know we get kind of seams around here the kings love like the greens um the brighter colors the oranges the pinks um whereas the coho tend to like the lighter jigs and then you go to one river and the coho won't eat anything but purple and pink and blue and black. And so I think it's uh, having a variety that you can pull from is nice because then you can dial in depending on the system you're in and, and the conditions, whether it's it's murky water, clear water, high sun, low sun, overcast, uh, time of day. So that's kind of the reason why we offer so many patterns is because you can dial in, try to find out exactly what works for you. And yeah. Uh, if you don't have that array of stuff well maybe you're missing out on fish because you 
you don't have a, a pattern or a color that they're biting that time of day. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. Let me, Nick, let me ask you this. What are, what's for a river coho or salmon fisherman, what is the typical knot connection on the jig? And let me ask you why I'm asking that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to start being more, uh, inquire more when I talk to people on the show about the difference between um, cinch down knot styles and then loop knots is what I'm basically getting at. So keep that in mind with that question. Like what, yeah, what's, yeah. The, what's the predominant technique in terms of how a jig is fished? So it's going to differ between a twitching jig and a float jig. Um, okay. So typically I tie my like a loop knot, like a repella knot. So you do have mm -hmm. that extra action in the knot for it to, to work. Typically on here, you'll see like a four foot, uh, fluorocarbon monofilament leader to break okay. um, just to absorb some of the shock and then I mean disappear underwater and then with the with the float jigs you'll often see a cinch knot and the reason you'll see a cinch okay. knot is because you can slide that line up to the point of jig and you can keep that jig cinched and floating horizontal so if you put a I repellent on this this would float down like that where you want to keep that floating that way um, and that helps with hookups and presentation. Um, but yeah, so two different types of knots for two different styles of jig. And you'll, so you'll get some guys that will still tie clinch knots on these and it works fine. Um, I mean, you, you typically have enough movement just with the drop of the jig that you don't, don't necessarily need that extra, extra wiggle, but typically I tie a, yeah, a repeller knot and then a, a cinch knot on these ones, whether it's like an improved clinch or. I don't know. I, I got some knots. I don't even know the name of. I got taught them when right. I was young and have never cared to look up what type of knot it is. I know. <laughs> same thing. I, I honestly think, Nick, um, I keep thinking this all the time, and I, I'm glad I asked that question because about the, the, the knot that gets used. And I sometimes people are more concerned about, like, things, I mean, at least in the bass end, like people talking about FG knots and Alberto knots and everything else. But I, the reason I'm starting, I'm going to start asking this more is because I'm going to make a big push as this year continues on for more people to be considerate, uh, not whatever people ain't got to listen to me, but I'm making the point that I think we need to be more thoughtful in the way we fish jigs and whether we're going to use loop knots or, you know, in some of our fishing. And I'll tell you why I think this, because if you talk to the saltwater guys, is they're casting jigs, that's all. If they're not using like a tactical angler clip or something like that, they're using loop knots and everything else. And the reason they use it is to increase the action on their jigs, right? And so it just blows my mind that in the bass world, no one uses them. They don't. And anyone that tells me that they do in the bass world, I call nonsense half the time. Maybe some clear water smallmouth guys do um, sometimes, but most of the time I know they don't. And um, I just think it's real interesting because you gave a perfect example of differentiating between a, you know, how to keep your jig, you know, I guess, I guess we would call it horizontal, right? Yeah. Cause you don't yeah. want it to go vertical. Um, and it's such an interesting concept of how people could change what their jig looks like by doing that. But I don't think across all species of fish people are considered of that that knot style so i just think it's an interesting concept and i i did have a hunch that you were gonna 
answer some some type of way similar to what you did. So that's why I kind of I threw that one out there. Um, totally. So Matt says this. It very interesting. He goes, he's been so Matt's a South Jersey fisherman. Matt, he um he's big into the JDM saying, and he says a lot of the JDM guys have been using snakes on jigs and they were smacking them. If you talk to a bucktail jig fisherman from the East coast, they, they ex almost exclusively use tactical angler clips. If you go down to Florida and talk to a surf casting uh, fisherman, they'll tell you about how they're using a loop knot when they're chasing after redfish and snook and, um, and trout, you know? So the thing is, it's just one of those things, but I just see the value in it in a lot of different water conditions. Um, you know, and I mean, look at on the fly. He just says, he goes, your knot has to change based on the lure being used and how you were fishing it. It's critical really? to the presentation. Yeah, absolutely. Bry. Just like Nick was saying about like that float jig, like he wants that to stay horizontal. And if he tied a loop knot, it was going to, it was going to back end on him. Right. So I just think it's pretty interesting. Um, JP Harrell saying, um, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Loop knots are huge in the saltwater world and not so much in the freshwater bass world. So JP, I'm going to throw one more out there besides that, just the loop. Look at what Nick's talking about. And, and you hear some of the uh, coho and river salmon guys talking about regarding some type of looped jig, right? Where you're able to change your hook out. How great is that? <laughs> Why aren't we doing more of that where we change our hooks out? So this, Nick, this is the type of stuff I'm talking about where it's like, it doesn't matter what you're fishing for. Like there are applications that just are so practical and make sense to me. And I, I just wonder, I, I wonder, and I'm like, why aren't we, why aren't more people doing this in this type of fishing for this type of species and not? And I mean, I I'll say this, you know, the, the United States is heavily a bunch of bass heads, fishermen to a lot of degrees. Right. And when it comes to jigs, don't get me wrong, guys. I don't want to disrespect the East Coast boys, the South boys, everything else. But, you know, at the end of the day, everyone wants a bigger wire hook on a slam it through their, They want to use 80-pound braid. And I, 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 I'm just – I'm done listening to everyone talk that that's the way you have to fish, you know. And I don't know. People may think Mike Murphy from Jake Squad's the crackpot. Well, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that there's other ways to fish, and I think people should be considerate and think of these things because I think they're going to put more fish to hand um by trying some different techniques you know i don't think we have to replicate everything nick's telling us uh, uh uh what he's talking about but man go look at his jigs you're telling me you if you if you're a bass guy you're telling first of all half of his colors would work for bass too but you're telling me you couldn't if you're a jig maker you couldn't sit there and say hey look at that style jig i i think i should tr i consider how that might impact my experience jig making well think about it you know um you guys nick is Nick is so well respected um in in the social media scene. There's like I told you, there's a tons, ton of jig makers or just fishermen that use his stuff. And they might just be tires, but they're buying his jigs, right? Why? Because it's something unique. There's thoughtfulness behind it. And he tells a story. You know, what the heck? I mean, I how how can you go wrong with that? Nick, I really appreciate it, man. What else? Yeah, anything else we didn't cover that we want to make sure we get to? No, nah, I don't think so. I think we did a pretty good job covering everything. I mean, yeah, we got we got some new products coming out soon, which I'm super excited about. More are you telling more world. about what those are or anything like that or hinting Ooh. at anything? 
I don't. We're, we're, we're trying to save those for a, for okay. a launch date. Um, but maybe we'll jump back on here and go over those because uh, they're, they're I would cool. love to have you on again. When are you but, thinking of launching some of the new stuff, buddy? Uh, March, early March. Oh, so it's coming. Oh yeah, and we're in we're in scramble mode right now, trying to trying to figure it all out. Um, that's but that's uh, awesome. But yeah, I think we cool. covered it. Pardon? That's awesome, dude. I, so what we'll do is um, and I can even like I'm gonna add some. One of the things I'm gonna do, Nick, is as the year goes on. Um, I'm going to add some other nights for shows. Like once in a while, I'm going to do like, a, I, I'll call them Saturday night lights and just some other nights for shows and just extras to get people on, um, other times to just hang out and BS and talk, you know? Totally. And one of the things I'm thinking of doing, which I think might be cool if you're, if you're even interested down the line is, um, is doing a night where I get like four, four other jig makers on. And like I ask a question and just encourage the debate to happen. Yeah, yeah. As so what I think it would be kind of fun to hear people debate why they agree or disagree with some different things. I, I think it would be kind of fun. So um, but I would love to have you on about again. Uh I appreciate uh your company tremendously, bud. You got I want to make sure you support uh Jig Geek. The links are all down below. Uh, you know, whether you're a designer or you just like jigs. Um, you should go check it out. A lot of cool stuff should give you ideas um, or even to go purchase blank jigs. If you're looking to, you know, have some quality uh, jigs to tie on for yourself. Um, but this is Jig Squad. Nick, hang around and chat when we end this. Um, I'll, yeah. We'll be in the back room after we end this. But guys, Jig Geek, live on Jig Squad. Um, whether you're live right now, you guys, I appreciate you all. We're going to be back in two weeks again. Um, I don't know who's up next. I got, I have to look, but we got shows are booked until June. Um, and, and in the coming in the next month or so, there's going to be some exciting jig squad news coming up again, uh, too, that I'm not going to lead on to yet, but just some new things coming. Um, but guys, I appreciate you all. We'll see you in two weeks. Nick and I are out. So, uh, peace folks. Be good to each other. Let's roll the outro. Let's see. When am I going to get the roll? It doesn't want to roll for me. Maybe it will. Let's try it again. There we go. Peace, folks. We're out. Have a good one, guys.